0: This is Dr. James Crosby, Head of Sustainability at Advantage Utilities. I'd like to ask, could your organisation be more of an energy sector hero? Are you interested in improving your sustainability as a business? Well, now you can obtain the expert view and guidance on renewable energy solutions, on-site generation, carbon accounting and sophisticated grid energy purchasing options through Advantage Utilities. Our team of experts use the latest tools to better analyse, track and reduce your organization's energy usage and carbon emissions. To find out how Advantage Utilities can become your one-stop shop for all your energy and sustainability needs, please visit www.advantageutilities.com or give one of our passionate and friendly team a call on 0208 131 4747.
1: Hi there and welcome back to the Energy Sector Heroes podcast. My name is Michelle Fraser and every week I will speak with incredible people who share their lessons, experiences and stories from their time spent in the energy sector. Hi there and welcome back again to this week's episode. If you're new to the show, then please take a second to subscribe and even consider sharing the show with just one other person. This week I am joined by Ms Song Yan. Ms Song is an incredible principal uh, reservoir consultant. Ms Song, would you like to introduce yourself, please?
2: Ah uh, yes, and uh, um, first of all, Michelle, really appreciated this opportunity to be with you on this broadcast. Uh, and like I said just now, you are in UK, I mean United States uh, and uh, technology shortened our distance. And I have worked in the oil and gas industry for more than 20 years, and currently a consultant on the reservoir engineering side.
1: So how did you get started in the oil and gas industry?
2: That's a very good question. I was thinking about it yesterday because my technical background is chemical engineering really downstream. In on the refineries, uh, but when I graduated in 2000 from Texas Tech in Texas, uh, uh, United States, uh, and the oil and gas industry was booming at that time, so I, I did not find a lot of chemical engineering refinery downstream opportunities, but upstream. Is was looking for people to join in. And they, they did not have enough petroleum engineering graduates uh, due to the downturn of the industry in the past uh, uh, 10 to 20 years. So basically, my manager said, if you are an uh, engineering um, students graduated with a good G uh, good uh, uh score in the university. We have, and you're willing to learn to join our industry. We're willing to train. That's how I got into upstream in industry.
1: Okay, that sounds interesting. Did you have a lot of training to do when you first started in the industry?
2: Yes. Uh, Not a whole lot of, it's more like a a graduate process, uh, like uh, a couple of uh, projects, uh, I mean, a year. And during, while doing those projects, I'm picking up those uh, upstream knowledge and uh, experience. Also, I was very confident at that time because uh, regardless is upstream and downstream, the basic principles are same. Math, chemistry, physics, I'm I'm good at all three. So I thought like, okay, tell me what's the the mechanism behind those operations. And then I get it. It's not difficult at all. Okay. What is the most interesting thing about being a, a reservoir engineer? Most interesting thing part is I learned to put a dollar sign. In the project uh, I'm doing. So, so so basically, as an engineer, the interesting part is we need to learn or we, we need to be good at it to show people the value of our projects. Because a lot of people we were talking about we were talking about uh, our project at that time. they, they, they don't have much of technical, or subsurface uh, uh, experience, but they are very good at of the financial side, how to persuade them to understand the, the value of the project, start to support my project is quite critical.
1: Okay. So did you have any role models during your career? And what did you find inspirational about them?
2: Oh, there are a lot of role models, uh, or I call them mentors. So I I mentioned in my book, uh, their background are not exactly subsurface either. They are very successful in the upstream, and uh, they could organize a good team to make a challenging project uh, successful. Uh, I, I mentioned a few. One would be my, a, manager in Schlumberger, uh, Eunice Jalali, he is the one kind of encouraged me or motivated me to be a reservoir engineer. His background is uh, uh, petroleum engineering in Stanford. um, And currently, I'm writing this book also because uh, he wrote several books, (laughs) not on the oil and gas industry, but other aspects. But I thought, oh, okay, maybe I could write a book too and write down what I observed, what I think, share with people. And he reviewed my book and really gave me good support and encouragement to publish it. Okay, so do you find it hard to write a book? Yes and no. It's not uh, hard to write something, but to make it a book, to make it like a storyline, is uh, quite a challenge. And uh, because writing a book is not my first uh, goal or primary goal, so I dragged it till 2023, this year, to finish it.
1: <laughs> okay. What was the most outstanding
2: point you found when you were writing your book? Interesting fact. There are two, two interesting parts. Uh, I, I feel it's kind of intriguing people to read. One is uh, the negative WTI in April 2020 when we had a pandemic. This is the first time I found out that uh, a commodity could go to negative value, not because of the technical issue, but more on the financial side, because it's short in the Wall Street, on the Wall Street. So, so that that's part of kind of opened my eye in during the pandemic. Another one is uh, in 2023, I knew a lot of people were talking about uh, the possible economic recession and more like a worldwide port. Then I thought that during the pandemic, uh, the commodity price was low. Before the pandemic, uh, the commodity price was low and uh, it's kind of uh, the oil and gas industry was heated by this low commodity price is a downturn. Then we thought we could recover. Then we had a pandemic right away, and it's like a double hit in this industry. And maybe other industries could learn from us how we we feel through this difficult time. Okay. Do you think
1: that the pandemic has changed the way we work in the oil and gas industry?
2: Yes. Before pandemic, uh, we already talked about uh, the smart wheel, intelligent completion, <laughs> digital oil field. So, but it's still very slowly. People will think, okay, we, we know how to do things. But now, after pandemic, uh, digitalization in the oil field is accelerated. We faster than before. One, and the people, are more open to the digital and the remote work right now. Yeah, but then I know in the UK a lot of people
1: are back to work full-time. Is that still the same in in the in the United
2: States? Or is people still working remotely? Here I think people are taking approach more like a hybrid pro- approach. So People start to work uh, uh, full time in the office, but then they realize that uh, working at home may not necessarily reduce the productivity. Also, oh, they save the time on commute. Um, I- I'm not so sure which part of uh, UK you stay right now. I know the traffic in London was really. <laughs> not so pleasant, <laughs> the commute. And so so it's a trade-off. But we also realize that there's no way to remote all the time, the whole year. So oh, a lot of companies are taking a hybrid approach. You, rem- you work from home two or three days per week, the rest of work days, you go to office. Oh yeah, I think
1: that's uh, quite common, quite a a lot of places. But are some companies that are back to the office
2: 100%? Oh yes, some companies, they firmly demand you need to go to office every day.
1: Yeah, that's right. Do you think it's better working at home or working in the office?
2: I would think I like a hybrid mode because uh, I want to focus on my work when I stay at home. But going to the office, I can talk with my co-workers, my teammates, uh, and uh, that's more like a team building, much easier in the in-person environment than um, working together to solve a, a complex project. Under a team environment is easier to.
1: Okay. Thank you. What is the most challenging thing about your role?
2: The role as a consultant or as a writing, as a writer? As a consultant. The challenging part for me right now is still developing the projects. My sense which could may not be exactly right. The oil field activities haven't recovered to pre-pandemic level yet, at least in United States. I'm not so sure about the UK. Maybe you can tell me what you think or your experience, your observations in on UK side, uh, but uh, here is recovering. It's still slow, so it's still very challenging for me to get a project.
0: Yeah, I
1: think it's the same everywhere, So I think there's a lot of countries the same. I think projects are coming, but they're still quite slow to get up and started again. Because there was a lot of projects that were put on hold during the pandemic.
2: So a lot of them have to be started up again, I think. That's the same observation I had in, on my side, yeah. And, and I think also because people or the leadership in the corporates is worried, is concerned about the possible economic recession. So they want to hold the cash. They don't want to invest everything they have. One. Secondly, is it's difficult for the fossil fuel industry to get the uh, loan or, or the, the capex they typically, they could get uh, 10 years ago. Mm.
1: Yeah, I think so too, especially because we're going into the zero emissions. So there's maybe less, less projects to do with the building new platforms and things.
2: You are exactly right. The only part I saw is relatively booming right now is the uh, CO2 sequestration projects. Okay.
1: There are still quite a few projects going about, but there are very few of our between. There's more coming yeah.
2: up. There's more coming
1: up, but they're just really slow.
2: Exactly.
1: Exactly. So did you always want to be an engineer or did you want to do anything else different when you were younger?
2: That's a very good question. I never thought I would do something else uh, uh, in my school year and I'm very good at math and my 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 dad always wanted me to be a, a engineer so because in, in his opinion using tec- te- technical skill set is kind of a a way his kids could make a living make a good living regardless of other situations so he always encouraged us to take an engineering role.
1: Okay, that's interesting. So did you find it hard to get into, to find a job in an engineering role when you were much younger, when you were starting out?
2: Not, not really. I think <laughs> because not enough okay, so... That's my personal observation. When I worked in oil and gas industry more than 20 years ago, so if it's a 10-person meeting in a meeting room, so in a meeting room, 10 professionals uh, to have a conference, typically I'm the only female engineer there, typically one or two. But right now, more female engineers uh, more female scientists join the industry. I'm so happy for the change. Uh, at that time, I think United States are our industry was pushing for the diversity in the oil field. One criteria would be have more female professionals, female workers in the oil field. So. I've never had any issue to work in the oil field as a female employee,
1: okay, do you find it hard being one of the very few female
2: engineers? It is that's a strange uh, I had a sometimes had a perspective again as a female employee in the oil field. Some people will say, they, they say, oh, you are welcome. You are so good. But at the same time, they may doubt in, in their deep heart, they may doubt your true ability as an engineer. They say, you got in maybe because we want to have more female engineers. So I have to work harder to prove my ability, prove my skill set than typical male engineers
1: do you really think that i because I, I agree actually i agree that women have to work harder i think to prove ourselves yeah to prove yourself yes and i did <laughs> yes i know because you're hugely successful but thank you, you so much it? did you find it quite difficult to prove
2: yourself how did you go about proving yourself it is a little difficult because I'm not, I'm more like a introvert person and uh, I'm more on the, I'm not that aggressive, I my mean, quote, unquote, aggressive. So, But in the oil field, you, you need to present yourself, stick to the value you have, stick to the theory you used or the design you prepared for the oil field development and then you know you're right you want to persuade a bunch of your co-workers on those who may doubt your ability to conduct engineering analysis so that and i'm not used to be aggressive so that's i i i, I'm, I was more silent before but now i learn how to open up Understand what they were thinking about the, the the presentations, the designs I had. Find the niche point to persuade them.
1: Okay, so how do you persuade them then to that your designs are are correct and that what work you've done is is as good,
2: if not better, than what they've produced? Because it could be. Been- the- yeah, that's a good question. First, understand what's their concern. Because ultimately, we work as a team and we want successful of the success of this project. We want to add value to the client, to the oil field, or add value to that asset. So oh, solid design and uh, uh, tell them the, exactly the story and uh, the cases behind my design and show the previous successful stories. Okay.
1: Is there anything you still want
2: to achieve in your career? Mm, that's a very good question. I yes, I want to spend more time to understand the machine learning. The artificial intelligence in the oil field oh I'm trying to learn this area and I want to bring those new technology new concepts the high tech part in the oil field that's the 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 goal I have in the next uh, three to five years
1: okay, do you think that
2: the
1: AI will change how we work in the, the oil and gas industry? The energy sector.
2: It it wouldn't change the way we should do things. Right, it just make us do develop the field more efficient, more effective, and more productive. Okay, how do you think that? Because, uh, like, uh, for the mature field I worked before, in one field you could have several hundred wells. each will produce that many data, production data, could have a well log data, pressure data, and some other data every day. We don't have time. As a one engineer, I don't have time to read all the data, go through all the data. So, machine learning, AI could help me to accelerate my a working pace and uh, help me just identify those uh, critical parts or critical wells I need to look into, the problematic wells I need to look into, and the the rest of wells, if they are running, they are operated uh, as normal, then let it go at this, that day, until they, we want to make some change or until they have problems.
1: Okay. So do you think it'll be easier to identify problems?
2: Yes, it will be quicker to identify problems with, I call it augmented intelligence. It's AI with human intelligence. Together, solve the problem quicker. Identify the issues quicker, solve the problem quicker. Okay,
1: I do agree that. I think that AI will... will Will need to be a com. The future of the energy sector, I think, it will be a combination of human intelligence plus the AI as well, because yes. the AI can cut down so much time analyzing so many different things in the oil field.
2: Yeah, another one we have been using long time ago. AI is not new to us. Now we just get high tech tech companies' involvement show us those machine learning technologies. But we used kind of AI before like a predictive maintenance like a rod pump. We have a dynamometer card. And by reading that card, look at the shape of that plot or pattern on that card. We know what could happen in the subsurface. So I I feel then we can do some predictive maintenance to oh, prevent it happen before. So it's more like prepare the field to for anything it could happen, rather than like a firefighter go to l- the fire blew out. Then we we engineers like a firefighter go there and put up, put down the fire. That that's not the right way.
1: You don't think so? Because as an as an engineer, especially working in operations and maintenance, you have a lot of firefighting every day. So, what is the most difficult problem that you've
2: resolved as a, an engineer? And uh, that's uh, interesting. I haven't found out that anything is uh, difficult. I I found all of them are are interesting projects for me to solve. Most difficult part is. Uh, Persuade uh, leadership to (laughs) spend money (laughs) for the field development.
1: Yep. I hear you. I do agree with that one. But how would you go about persuading them to go about to take on the project then that you've
2: uh, been working on? Need to show the dollar sign. So basically, need to tell them that, okay, If you spend that much of money and you have a good possibility because no one can guarantee 100% success rate in the oil field subsurface domain. So you have a good chance. What's the successful rate based on the past history and to recover the cost plus the profit. That's why I said as a reservoir engineer, I need to know the financial side of the industry Use that dollar amount, that financial term to persuade the leadership, persuade the stakeholders to invest on this project. Okay,
1: interesting. So if you were going to hire someone, what would you look
2: for? I will look for some junior engineers who could help me to work on some relatively simple projects. One, and I will l- look for my people who could provide engineering support, geolo- geology support in other disciplines like drilling, completion, <laughs> the production, and petrophysics, geophysics. So, so so that I could provide an integrated subsurface study and an integrated solution for the field development.
1: Okay, so what kind of skills would they have to have then to work with you as a reservoir
2: engineer? Basic subsurface knowledge plus an attitude to learn to explore to self-motivated, that, that's pretty much, I think, a, a little bit like what uh, my uh, managers uh, looked into when I first uh, j- joined the, the industry. You don't have to be so experienced, but you need to, uh, you, you you have a good engineering science or or, or basic knowledge, then you are, you have a good attitude to learn to and self motivated, self starter.
1: Okay, that sounds like really good skills. Actually, that you would have to have. Have you ever encountered any de- clear disasters,
2: and how have you handled them? Yes, uh, when I first joined the Schlumberger, I worked on the fiber optic uh, distributed sensor projects. Uh, actually. The the counterpart or our competitors was from UK, Sensa. Very interesting. So uh, after a while, we did our research work, RD work in United States uh, under the big umbrella of Schlumberger. Schlumberger decided to buy Sensa. Then our group is not needed. Anymore, There are two options. We need to go to UK <laughs> to be part of Sensa and still under the big umbrella of Schlumberger, or, or we go to other groups. Uh, I'm, I'm very new in the oil field. I don't have a whole lot of experience persuade other managers to hire me. Also, I have I had the visa issue because I only have a working visa in United States. I don't have any visa in in UK. So it's a lot of hassle for Schlumberger at that time. So that's that's probably one of the life crises I had. Okay, so nothing too major. Right now, when I look back, uh, I feel it's nothing—nothing nothing that serious. I, I solved the issue. I was lucky. They, because the the industry was booming. They still need engineers, so I also uh, opened myself. I, I myself uh, became more aggressive and. Uh, uh, Stop by other managers' uh, office and uh, introduce myself to them, and ask them uh, whether they have opportunities for me. Then, but uh, but uh, at that time, I remembered I couldn't uh, sleep well at night because I don't know what's next. I I I'm only one in my family in the United States. And they knew nothing. My, my family in China knew nothing about my situation and they couldn't help me either. So it's, it's hard, but uh, I was lucky. The industry was booming. The managers I talked to, they are very helpful. They are willing to help.
1: No, I know. But it must be quite hard to go to managers and uh, and ask them if they have opportunities for you.
2: Exactly.
1: Not a lot of people would do that.
2: It. Yeah, it, to me, it's uh, like uh, I was more introvert and more quieter at that time. Some managers, I remember one manager told me that you don't have to worry. You, the Schlumberger could find a job for you. You need to just focus on your work. Uh, I feel so touched by him. Well, that's good. But do
1: you think that you've had to change your, your, your personality to become more aggressive, to, to really progress in the energy sector?
2: I feel so. Especially as a female engineer, I need to be more aggressive than my counterpart, my, my peers. How do you
1: find that, though? Because I, I actually do identify with that as well. You have to have, find a balance between being quite aggressive and still quite feminine as well. It can be. Yes, different.
2: I remembered, uh, and I, I do get a good uh, tips from the, some senior female engineers, uh, you know, in each corporate, those uh, big ones, uh, they have uh, like, uh, like a woman in Schlumberger in this ch- in this location, in that location, like a uh, woman in Chevron, woman in BP. So some senior female engineers uh, sometimes sh- give us some good support and give us some teachers or share their experience, how they did it. That's a big report system I I had in those corporates. I I remember one senior female engineer told us that when when she joined the industry in oil field, and she was taught, like, uh, uh, just like a woman, speak like a man, work like a dog to survive in the oil field. I do agree. But how do you get around that?
1: It is really hard to be seen and heard, actually, as a female engineer.
2: Eventually, I think my coworkers will recognize my skill side. It's difficult at the beginning. But eventually once they recognize your working ethic, you the value you could bring in to, to them, to the project, they start to accept you and then they start to show the respect. Okay.
1: But it takes a long time though, doesn't it?
2: Yes. It
1: can take a long time. It can take years, actually.
2: Exactly. May take years. Then when you go to a different uh, project, you already have a tracking record of success. Yeah, but still still, some
1: people are looking over their shoulder to make sure that you see what you're doing, see if you slip up. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's good that we have survived all that to become quite successful. Yes.
2: What is your zone of genius? What are you most good at? What I'm good at? I, I think... Now I'm a more well-rounded. I'm not just a reservoir engineer. I know some finance concept that can be applied to my project. I know better on the communication. I know better to present my idea and persuade, or, or, or get persuade my, my team or get buy-in from the stakeholders. I'm I think also I, I know that uh, regardless of what will happen, I'm good, I'm prepared to deliver good results for my project. That's excellent.
1: Excellent. So,
2: how would you describe your typical working week? So there are two types of working weeks I have. One is uh, when I have a project, I need to focus because each project is different and my client will have a different objective. And so I typically spend more than eight hours per day to do the project when I have a project because a lot of them have some timeline deliverables I need to strictly follow. So that that's the time I I need to make sure I manage my time right. Working some other week, uh, the project hasn't come yet, and I can more relax. I can focus on the linkings, the, my social, my friends, and my kids, and my families, and uh, and pick. Uh, uh, learn something new if i have time and enjoy with friends to go out so so there are two two different type of week i have
1: okay sounds interesting so okay because a reservoir engineer is quite important so what kind of activities do you do as a reservoir engineer
2: there are two types of projects I have been working on. One is the technical support, purely subsurface technical support. Do a better reservoir management, increase the well productivity, find out the issues of the subsurface operation and based on the geology reservoir, reservoir fluid, and how we can improve the wells production. So, And how to further Develop this field by infield drilling, by walkover, by refracking, by next step recovery mechanism, like from primary to secondary to tertiary. So, this is one te- purely technical support. Another one is more on the field asset evaluation. So, with uh, current production in this field and the production history if the client want to buy to sell this asset what's a fair market value for this asset and I put a dollar sign there and I typically put upside potential and the downside risk to ensure it's a 360 investigation of this field. Okay, so what do you prefer? What type of work do you prefer doing then? So um, two types of work, technical and uh, a acquisition and uh, diversity too. Okay, thank you. What motivates you to keep going when things get tough? Because this industry is really cyclical. So when I joined the industry, and um, people told me that those senior guys told me that uh, I need to learn how to hold my breath beneath the beneath the water and long enough and survive so when the the water line go lower, that means the the industry get recovered and then I can enjoy so it's uh, more I, I know it wouldn't be a downturn forever. Based on the supply and the demand, uh, when industry is in downturn, the supply will be cut gradually, 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 deeper, deeper and deeper. Then eventually supply is way shorter than the demand, then the industry will boom.
1: Okay, so when you have like a downturn, how do you deal with that?
2: Because it'll be stressful. It'll be stress, stress for everybody who's. who's yes, stressed. then that that's the time. That's the time to have a good report system from friends, from 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 friends, from uh, uh, families, from and also from myself. Build uh, some hobbies and the interest to enjoy the life. Yeah, yeah, actually,
1: because a downturn doesn't last forever.
2: No, it's not. And prepare myself during the downturn, like uh, during the pandemic, I took some online classes, and uh, amazing. That that's also a silver lining of this pandemic. A lot of uh, educational institution and uh, college, university. They open their online resources to the public. Like, uh, I took a statistic class from Stanford. I took a contract law class from Harvard, and they are all free. Okay, that's amazing.
1: That is quite amazing, actually. When you're going in your career, and you might be that in
2: your you could be career for a downturn, so it might not affect you so badly. Well, then, that's the time to need the the support from my previous partners, the the partners, business partners from my previous projects. They know I'm good. Then they could still provide me some projects, not uh, like the the amount I had before during the industry booming time, but uh, enough for me to survive. Okay, and also. I still has uh, the habit of uh, keep a good reserve uh, during the good time to so so prepare myself for the raining days.
1: Yeah. Because so the message is learn your trade. Try and do as much as you can to learn as much skills as you can so you can diversify if you need to. I think so.
2: You are exactly right. That's how I feel digitalization is the, the next big trend. or artificial intelligence is the next big trend in the industry, machine learning, data big data, data management. Uh, and another thing to survive the downturn is being flexible, keep learning. Understand the trend of the industry. Prepare yourself ahead of your peers.
1: I think that's actually really good advice. Actually, keep ahead of the technology and make sure that you're up to date with all the latest, uh, all the latest going on in your industry. I think,
2: especially exactly. Different... Yeah. So, so when the industry realizes that's the right approach, right uh, direction, they are looking for the people, and the, you are right there ahead of your peer.
1: Yeah, you need to be able to stand out, I think. Yes. Yeah. Any school that can make you stand out is a good thing, I think. Exactly. I think in engineering just now, I think after you leave university, I think your learning just starts. It's not like you leave university and you think, phew, I passed, that's my last of my learning. I think your learning just starts after university. Because your degree... And I'm not going to say that it's not useful, but it is very useful because it's a basic fundamental knowledge and learning that you have. But what you learn at university, you use some. I'm not going to say that you don't, but you still need to learn a lot of different skills, actually, after leaving university. Your training
2: and your learning just starts right after university. Yep. I I also understand better on... Uh, Is never too old to learn. Right now, I'm still learning new skill sets. Me too, actually.
1: So, if you could turn back time, would you change anything?
2: That's a very interesting perspective. People always ask themselves if I have a second chance, would I do better? And I ask myself that question too. I think I will make a similar not better not worse decision even i had a second chance because my decision was made based on the the, my, my, my expertise or my perspective at that time until i change my perspective i will make a different decision otherwise i will stick to the old the 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 similar routine a uh, similar route I would go. I really
1: like that answer. Actually, I do. It's really clever.
2: Yeah, because people say, if I have a second chance, I can make that decision. When you go back to the, if you have a time machine, go back to that time until your knowledge, your perspective, your experience are significantly different you make a different decision otherwise you will make a similar decision because each decision are made based on the best judgment you had at that time that's excellent actually excellent advice that's give me a feeling that like so so that helped me during the downturn why it wouldn't make me feel guilty or ashamed about the decision i made before it only us tell me that I need to look forward. I need to better look at the present time. How to make myself better? Make a better decision right now, rather than regret the decision I made before. Not, not I'm not looking back uh, about uh, look back about the the to learn from it. But I wouldn't regret the decision I made. I just need to understand why I made that decision. What else I need to do to make a better decision next time. Look forward. I agree.
1: That's all the questions I have for today. I would like to thank May Song for your time. That brings us to the end of another episode. Thanks for listening and see you next week. that brings us to the end of another episode. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, I'd like to gently encourage you to leave a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts and share the show with another person. You can also follow me on LinkedIn or via my website, www.michellefraserconsultancy.com. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.